WFHB Assistant Program Director Christine Brackenhoff spoke with Dr. Allison Case, a family medicine provider based in Indiana. She is also an abortion provider and leads the Indiana chapter of the Reproductive Health Access Project. We now turn to that interview. Can you please tell us a bit about your background? Sure, so I'm a family medicine provider and that means I see everything from newborns to elderly folks. I also deliver babies and do obstetrics care. I'm also an abortion provider. So in Indiana, I cannot provide abortion care as part of my standard family medicine practice. It's something I have to do in a separate clinic, but it is part of my practice, you know, broadly. I also lead a group here in Indiana that's part of a national network called the Reproductive Health Access Project. And we are a group of providers and advocates across the state who work on advocacy around access to abortion, miscarriage management, and birth control, among other things. There's some of the things that I do. Thank you. Can you please tell us about abortion as an element of healthcare? Sure. So abortion has always been a part of healthcare. Whenever you have people managing pregnancy, miscarriage, you have people managing abortions. When I think about providing a full range of reproductive healthcare services, abortion is included in that, just like birth control management is and miscarriage management. I mentioned before, but because of state laws, you know, I can't practice abortions in my everyday job as a family doctor, but it is it's safe, it's necessary. There's no reason besides politics that I should not be able to provide abortion care as part of standard full-spectrum reproductive health care. Before Roe v. Wade was overturned, how would you describe the state of abortion access in Indiana, at least in recent years? Yeah, I would say the state of abortion access in Indiana has been pretty dire for a long time now. So abortion has basically been unaccessible for many people because of all the restrictions that are in place. Some of those include an 18-hour waiting period, which means that if people want to get an abortion, they need to find time to take off in order to go to two visits, uh, which is not medically necessary. That's completely a politically driven restriction. Ultrasounds requirements uh, are in place in Indiana. There's a ban on telehealth services. There are many hoops for minors to jump through if they're seeking abortion services. There are reporting requirements, laws that regulate clinics called trap laws, those make it more difficult for clinics to open and to keep clinics that are open to keep them open. All of these barriers are in place and have been in place in Indiana for a long time, and they especially hurt the most marginalized people. So poor people, LGBTQ people, people of color who might, for systemic reasons, have trouble accessing services in the first place. So the restrictions are you know, they make it physically and practically very difficult to access abortion, but they're also extremely stigmatizing. Many of the laws that exist in Indiana exist only to make people feel guilty and ashamed about their decisions. So one of the laws that's in place is that providers have to read out loud to patients a state-mandated script that includes sentences like, life begins when sperm meets egg. Uh, and we have to walk the patient through a packet with images of the embryo at the stage of development in which they are uh, at. So 
these laws exist to stigmatize patients. They exist to make abortion a safe medical procedure much more difficult. And it's an unbelievable overreach of state power, the extent to which that's happened in Indiana. Yeah, abortion access has not been easy in Indiana even before this decision came down. How has your experience as a healthcare provider changed since Roe v. Wade was overturned? I've had patients who are scared. They are scared even coming in to see me for their well woman visits or their well adult visits. They're there to ask about birth control. And I've had people verbalize to me that they don't want to be on birth control because they've had bad experiences with hormonal birth control in the past, but they're so afraid that they're not going to be able to access any abortion services that they're looking for help finding out what they should get back on to help prevent pregnancy. I've had people verbalize to me, patients verbalize about how worried they are about what's going to happen to people who have ectopic pregnancies or people who have other problems in pregnancy that, you know, make it deadly to continue to carry the pregnancy to term. So that's been, it's heavy and really hard as a provider to try to figure out what are we going to do for people? I mean, I think the bottom line is people are going to die. Like there's going to be delays in care. There's going to be people who don't get the care they need. And it's really, really hard, you know, as a human to deal with that, but, you know, trying to offer people help. I don't have a lot to tell them, you know, we're pretty sure there's going to be a complete abortion ban here soon. And it's people just aren't going to have access to services. I would say that the other thing that I have experienced, I provide telemedicine abortion in New Mexico using a New Mexico license, which I have a physician's license in New Mexico. And we have already been seeing mostly patients coming over from Texas, even before the decision came down because of how restrictive the Texas law has been. Those numbers are going up and I expect that telehealth services in general are going to be more and more important for safe haven states in order to keep the pressure off of in-person clinics who are going to need to take on more appointments for procedural abortions coming from many surrounding states. So I have already taken on more time as a telehealth provider because they're seeing those, we're seeing so many more of those appointments and I expect that that's going to continue. So I think we're, you know, we're going to see more use of telehealth to help people get the services they need. What are your concerns about abortion access in Indiana going forward? We know that lawmakers are going to pass a complete abortion ban. They've made that pretty clear. We don't know if there are going to be any exceptions for rape or incest or life of the person carrying the pregnancy. I think what I'm most scared of is just I'm afraid for people's lives. I think people are going to die as a result of this ban being passed. There are lots of scenarios where a pregnant person needs a termination to save their life or to prevent them from mortal danger. And legislators don't know what they're doing. They're not healthcare providers. They don't have the experience to be making these decisions. And yet they're going to pass this ban that's going to impact people's lives in a tremendous way. So I'm I'm most worried about that, you know, the number of people who are going to die and be severely impacted by a complete ban. I think the other question is what happens next. So people who are familiar with this space are really worried about laws coming down the pipeline that will criminalize abortion or charge a person who self-manages their abortion. So someone who, say, gets medications off the internet 
and then has a complication and presents to an emergency room or hospital, could they then be charged with some kind of uh, felony for attempting an abortion? We're also really worried about fetal personhood laws. These are extremely dangerous. So if a fetus has quote unquote personhood, you can imagine several terrifying scenarios. For instance, a person might be out drinking without knowing that they're pregnant and then miscarry. Could they then be charged with murder? You know, these kind of scenarios that are very, very terrifying and dangerous. And then, of course, I think people who have been working in space for a long time, especially after this decision, the Supreme Court decision, worry about all the other privacy rights and whether or not politicians are going to attack, you know, trans rights, which really they already have in Indiana. Are they going to attack gender affirming care, birth control access, marriage equality? We don't know where this is going to stop. We always encourage people to contact your legislator, let them know what you are thinking and feeling and that you think this is absolutely ridiculous that they're even considering a complete ban. I think that people should also just be aware of resources that are out there. So there's a website called wayfinder.org where people who might need an abortion can find the closest geographic place to obtain one. There are resources out there for self-managed abortion and self-managed miscarriage that people should, you know, try to seek out. It's really hard. I think just trying to organize as much as possible together to push, push lawmakers and to take part in any public action you can. So there's going to be protests at the state house on, on July 25th for the special session and as many people as we can get out there showing that this is not one Hoosiers what, you know, the more people we can get, the better for that. That was WFHB guest correspondent Christine Brackenhoff speaking with Dr. Allison Case, a family medicine provider based in Indiana. Dr. Case is also an abortion provider and leads the Indiana chapter of the Reproductive Health Access Project. 